Their courage will astound you. Their stories will move you. Their faith will inspire you. Welcome to Great Stories About Great Saints on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Well, it's a special day today. It's All Saints Day. It's the Feast of Our Mother, the Heavenly Jerusalem of whom I would say Mary, our Blessed Mother, is the Incarnation. But that said, let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit. They shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the root of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're not going to start with the big book on the coffee table, but I want to f- tell you about two great men who, who, without whose work as missionaries, I don't know where we'd be. Uh, this is from 14, 1,500 years ago. Well, 1,400. And, well, yeah, about 1,413. And... The world we live in now was shaped by these two men for their love of Christ. In fact, is they are so important that an entire country dances around the relics of one, St. Willie Broad. This is the spring procession song in honor of St. Willie Broad. You've got to see this Keep it going, keep it going for a couple minutes. It's a cool melody. Okay, I think that's probably enough about the Ecktonacher Spring Procession. <laughs> you got to see this on, on. I'm not making this stuff up. This is the Feast of Saint Willibrord in um, uh, in Luxembourg, and I don't know if it's the whole country, but a large portion of the country gathered to literally dance this little two-step around his tomb, well, his reliquary, which is in the cathedral at Ecktonac, and. This this just amazes me that this guy was so important that somebody who died in 739 in 2022, they're still dancing around his reliquary and telling the story. That's that's how important he was. So that's 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 1300 years ago. My goodness. Well. I'm going to tell you about two great saints, St. Willibrord and St. Winifred. St. Winifred is better known as St. Boniface, the apostle of the Germans. But both of them were absolutely committed to evangelizing the Frisians. The Frisians, you say? Who were the Frisians? There is, are still Frisians, and there's half a million people who speak the Frisian language on the northwest coast of Europe. And the North Sea. The Frisians were fiercely pagan and very aggressive, and uh, they were a problem for for the safety and security of the 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 well the settled people of the Rhine Valley. And um, their capital was the city of Utrecht in what is now Holland. Now a couple more countries. It, it, Forgive me if, if I give a lot of history, but you got to know history in order to understand the present. There was a great <laughs> event, believe it or not, that, now when was it, let me, oh, I, 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 I do apologize for all my problems with my mouse yesterday. I'm, I'm with a mouse that 
I know better today. So it won't be that difficult. But something momentous happened in 406, December 31st, New Year's Eve of 406. The Rhine River froze solid. It doesn't do that very often. And the Germans, who were on the east side of the river, realized that this was their chance. They could cross into uh, France. <laughs> you know, Hans, the river is frozen. Let's go to France. They really did. They, they, they crossed the, the boundary uh, that protected the Roman Empire, what was left of the Roman Empire. It was collapsing, though I don't think people realized it was in such a state of collapse. The fall of the Roman Empire, as they call it, was really a very slow thing. Well, in, in, in 406, it was all over because there was the boundary that had kept uh, large numbers of the German tribes east of the Rhine. Well, it froze. They walked into France and within a half a century they had pretty much taken over Western Europe. And uh, they didn't think of the Roman Empire as falling. They wanted to join it. There's a problem, though. They, Many of them were Christians, but Aryan Christians that didn't believe in the divinity of Jesus. They would have called themselves Christians, but hmm, Trinitarian Christians might not have. So Spain, which was the Roman province of Iberia, Gaul, uh, um Northern Italy, these were taken over by people who didn't believe in the divinity of Christ. And their subjects all did. The first person to seriously uh, accept Christianity in its Catholic form, in its universal form, to, to accept a relationship to the wider church was actually a fellow named Ludwig, who the French call Clovis I. And he accepted the Roman Catholic faith because his wife Clotilde was a, was a Catholic, not an Arian, not one of these people who didn't believe in the divinity of Jesus. Now, this is all background. And he started a dynasty, or he was part of a dynasty in France called the Merovingians. Well, the Merovingians went merrily along, uh, enjoying the kingdom of France and a large empire, which covered much of Europe. Uh, well, they became rather decadent, and they had a, a family who were, they, they were called mayors of the palace and princes of the Franks. Now, these are the Franks. The word France comes from the Franks. And the Franks were actually a Germanic people, uh, and they had invaded and taken over a Mediterranean uh, world. Uh, southern France was very Mediterranean, but these northern people, who were recent barbarians and only recently Christianized, uh, they had taken over this 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 world of of Latins and Latin speakers, and they had adopted the faith of the Latins. So this is this is the background of it. Well. These Merovingians, these, these the, the the dynasty that ruled it, became increasingly incompetent, and another family uh, uh, descended from Saint Arnulf, who were also Catholics. Uh, I believe they were descended from Saint Arnulf. They um, uh, they really ran things. They were kings in all but name, and there was a, a very very great one of them, Charles Martel, Charles the Hammer. And Charles had a problem because he was surrounded by people who were bent on the destruction, not only of the Frankish kingdom, the empire had shrunk very greatly, but they wanted to destroy the Frankish kingdom, which was now, hold on to your, your steering wheel if you're driving. Neustria and Austrasia were the two great principalities of the Franks. Huh? Neustria, Austrasia? I think it's important just to hear those names because they were great and powerful countries in Europe that stopped existing a long time ago. And I think that's a cautionary tale. We think that countries are forever. No, they're not. Well, Neustria and Austrasia were, were Frankish principalities and, and uh, uh, they decided, these, these mayors of the, king, of, of the palace, uh, the, uh, Charles Martel, his father before him, 
they decided they were going to restore that empire because they were being eaten away by the anti-Christian forces around them, among whom were the Muslims in the south. The Muslims had invaded France and uh, were up as far as the city of Tours. Uh, this is just kind of ballpark. It's just a little south of the city of Tours. But they had taken France east or west of the Rhone River. And that was in the south. But previously in the north, there were these very anti-Christian pagan Germanic peoples, the Saxons and the Frisians. Oh, back to Frisia. Yeah, the Frisians, uh, interestingly enough, English <laughs> was originally a dialect of of the Frisian language, a Germanic language. Uh, they were German, what was spoken in Germany, it was spoken in England at the time, and this is important to remember, they were mutually understandable. And the faith was firmly rooted among the Anglo-Saxons of, of, of Britain, of England. Uh, and, well, missionaries would go into, into these barbarian countries and not do very well. Well, Charles Martel realized that unless the Frisians and the Saxons were converted, they would always be at odds with uh, the, the, the Frankish Catholics. They would always be trying to destroy the Frankish Catholics. So it was, we don't look at things like this at all. You know, we don't think that war is is appropriate, and it isn't. I'm I'm not saying that it's appropriate, but this was a different era, and you have to understand how violence and retribution uh, was was a way of life. That that the barbarians before Christ, that was what they did for fun. They didn't play soccer. <laughs> they didn't play baseball. They went to war with each other to, to plunder and to take slaves and property. And when they saw the civilized Christians, especially the Latin ones, they wanted what they had. It wasn't just the Vikings. It was also the northern Germanic tribes. Well, two men decided that they wanted to give their lives for the conversion of the Frisians, the, these anti-Catholic Frisians. And, of course, the the Frankish government, the Frankish ruling houses were all for this and supported them. But they didn't do it because of that. The first of these great missionaries was, uh, um, well, we call him St. Boniface. But uh, that wasn't his real name. That was a name given him by the Pope. And Boniface means a doer of good. But his, his original name uh, was uh, was Winfried, Winifred, you know. So it's Willibrord and Winifred. So St. Boniface was born in 675, uh, and he died as a martyr on, in 754. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a bit. St. Boniface was born in England, and then he became a Benedictine monk, and he left in 716, went to Utrecht, where St. Willibrord, who we'll speak about, uh, the apostle to the Frisians, had been working since the 690s. So he spent a year working with Willibrord, preaching in the countryside. Their efforts were frustrated uh, because there was war going on between this very anti-Christian uh, king, Redbud, and Charles Martel, who was the mayor of the palace in France. Um, so Boniface, well, war broke out and they fled. They had to leave. So Willibrord went to his, his the monastery in Echternach. We'll talk about Willibrord. Well, let's talk about Willibrord now because Willibrord it was older than Boniface. Uh, Willibrord was, was born in um, uh, 658. About He was about... Oh, what would it be? About 17 years older than than um, than Saint Boniface, but he was um, uh, his father had been a convert to Christianity from the Saxons, and uh, he also was from England, from Northern England, and uh, he was a scholar and uh, a, a great man, and uh, well, he just decided to go to to. Uh, um, after visiting Rome, he decided to go to 
to what we would call Holland, and he established a Benedictine abbey at Echternach, um, which on the site of an old Roman villa that had been given to him uh, by uh, these these uh, the family of Charles Martel. So he spent his life working for the conversion of the Frisians, but didn't really succeed that that strongly. He did a lot of work. Well, let's go back to, to good old... Uh, 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 the good old St. Boniface. So St. Boniface went to Europe in 716. He had to flee. He went down into, he went back to England, but then he went to Rome and he was ordained bishop, a missionary bishop, a bishop without a diocese. Very unusual. He was a missionary bishop in charge of everything east of the Rhine. <laughs> and uh, he just went at it with a, with a, with a will. Maybe I'm kind of, big on these guys because uh, actually there was an incident that broke the back of paganism that happened about 20 miles, 25 miles north of where my family comes from in Germany. He cut down the sacred oak tree of the god Dunar. Uh, you've heard of Dunar and Blitzen? Well, Dunar means thunder. <laughs> so the god of thunder had this oak tree, this sacred oak tree, where people would gather to worship him. And Boniface just came up to it with an axe and started chopping away. And uh, they looked and waited for lightning to strike him from the sky. He was chopping down something sacred to the god of lightning. And nothing happened. He took the wood and built a little church. And now that church has grown into the cathedral of Fritzlar. So this guy was fearless. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. These guys were fearless. And, you know, we may think, well, that's kind of a, you know, and of course they had the support of the Frankish government because it would be good for the Franks if, if, uh, um, uh, the, the, the Frisians were converted. Well, it was good for, for Europe that the Frisians were converted. Boniface had, I think, had probably had more success with the Frisians than 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 Willibrord. Why was it so important to Europe? Because the Muslim invasion from the south was coming up into France. That France was was at the point of being conquered. Southern France was at the point of being conquered by Islam coming up from Spain, and if the Frankish kingdom, which is all that stood between uh, these invaders from Spain and Europe, these anti-Catholic invaders from Spain. It's all that stood between them and, and all of Europe was this bunch of recently converted German barbarians, the Franks. And if they had had a war on their northern border with the Saxons and the Frisians, they could never have managed to survive. So we may not think this is a good thing, we may think that, well, this is politics and religion, and religion should be separate from politics, and, well, okay. But that's not why Willie Broad and Boniface did it. Willie Broad and Boniface were ready to give their lives for the conversion of the Frisians for the sake of love. You know, we've been talking a lot in the past few weeks about, is baptism necessary? And yes, baptism is necessary. If you know about baptism and refuse it, well, good luck with that. Baptism is necessary. It's a gift from God. But if God can bring someone to heaven who, who isn't at this moment in the church, well, what's the sense of it all? What's the sense of evangelism? The sense of evangelism is for love. We who believe in Christ should want to share the beauty of Christ with everyone, not to get people to join our club, but to come to Christ. The most wonderful thing a person can experience is the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus. We read that in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the eighth chapter. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That you and I, because we're believers, we have a possession that we can share with the world that no one can take from them. And if we're made in the image of Christ, if we've been made over into the, into the personality of Christ, if we are filled with genuine love, then it's going to be our hope to share that love with everyone we can. It isn't a matter of being in the club. It's a matter of coming to Christ 
especially through the sacraments. The best way to come to him is through those covenants, the sacraments. And these two guys, Villibrord and Boniface, they didn't do it so that the world would be Frankish. They weren't Frankish. They were English, though they spoke a language understandable to the Franks. They didn't do it for wealth or for power. They did it for love. And so often we think, we've come to think that, well, evangelization and trying to bring people into the Catholic faith is, well, it's, it's passe. It's no, no, it's not. If you do it for love, it's, it's, it's a glorious thing. Do you understand what I mean? We don't want to make the world, uh, I don't want to make the world like me, heaven forfend. I want the world to look like Christ. And so I have to look like Christ. And that's why these two men gave their whole lives. Uh, let me, let me finish this story. Um, well, uh, Villebroard, let's go back to good old Villebroard. Uh, St. Villebroard uh, um, uh, established the Abbey of Echternach, and, and uh, 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 he, he uh, uh, worked converting that part of, of what was called, are called the Benelux countries, Belgium, uh, Luxembourg and Holland, they, they, um, the Netherlands, the Lowlands, that's really the name for Holland. So they, he just worked tirelessly with his monks, uh, to, to, to bring the Frisians to the knowledge of Christ. So he died at the age of 81 and was buried in Echternach. And to this day, as we saw, we heard, you can look it up on the web. They, they call it the, the uh, you can call it, just look up St. Willie Broad. It's not Bored, it's Broad. St. Willie Broad Dance YouTube. It'll come up. Lots of examples of it. So I will put it, where are we going to put it, dear voice in my head? I uh, will put it on the podcast. And, and uh, you know, the, but the one that's really fascinating is good old St. Boniface. Because Boniface... When he was, how old was he? I think he was 81. He was still on the road. Uh, um, no, he was 79. He was only seven, only 79. He went up to Frisia, and the Frisians were becoming Catholics just by the boatload. And, and so he went up uh, to assist in that work uh, in seven, I think it was 754, and he baptized huge numbers of people and he called for uh, confirmation at uh, a place uh, well it's, it's called Dokum uh, and and a group of of Frisians in the good old tradition decided he must have a lot of gold and so they they invaded his encampment uh before the confirmation ceremony it was going to confirm thousands and they killed uh, uh, Boniface, and Boniface said that to you know his his retinue, he had a guard from the government, and he said to these armed men, he said, "Stop fighting, lay down your arms." The Bible tells us not to render evil for evil, but to overcome evil by good. And the Frisians charged at him, and he held up the gospel book. <laughs> Some people say it was to ward off evil. <laughs> My German relatives say he didn't want to get blood on the book. <laughs> I don't know which is true. But he held up the gospel book, and that book was hit with an axe by the Frisians, and Boniface was hit by an axe and died a martyr at the age of 79. He didn't do it for power or for political clout or to get people to join the club. He did it for the love of Christ and for the love of those people who didn't love him back. And his, he was buried, uh, I think, there. And then they eventually moved his relatives, uh, relics to Fulda. Uh, and uh, the shrine is there and the book is still there. The gospel book that he held up, uh, <laughs> perhaps to keep blood from getting on it. Do I love God that much? Do I love any group of people that much that I'm willing to give my life? You know, we so often look at the church as, well, what's in this for me? Well, heaven when you die. On earth, it may not be so good. You may not be loved, but love anyway. Saints Villebroard and St. Vinifred, better known as Boniface, think of what he said. His last words were, stop fighting. 
to those people who are trying to protect his life, lay down your arms. We're told in Scripture not to render evil for evil, but to overcome evil by good. So, if you love the Bible, you better love the people around you and be willing to give yourself to live for them and, if need be, to die for them. Boniface and Villabroid took it very seriously, and they changed Europe. The Europe from which come most of our ancestors exists because <laughs> Villabroid and Winifred were able to bring Europe to Christ. We pray that it will happen again, that Europe <laughs> will have its apostles and be brought to Christ once again. Heavenly Father, we ask you for the zeal of the gospel, the zeal of the gospel. Give us hearts that want to share Christ, Saints Villabroid and St. Boniface, and all the saints of heaven pray for us. Oh, I, I got to keep, I still have a minute, the voice in my head tells me. What can I say about St. Boniface? Well, I can say a lot about St. Boniface. Uh, the, the church of my my ancestors, when they, uh, we, when they settled in Detroit, was, of course, St. Boniface. And the Germans really love St. Uh, 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 Saint, Saint, we really love Saint Boniface. So, uh, um, the this idea that well, Europe is in trouble right now. Although, well, we're all in trouble because we're turning our backs on Christ. So, this holy day, this day of of all saints, should be a calling for more evangelists, people who are willing for the sake of love. Not for the sake of narrow-mindedness or, or clubbiness or arrogance, but for the sake of love to bring the name of Christ to everyone in the world. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF, an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. All Saints Day means all saints all day. Incredible journeys of faith. Heroic holiness. Welcome back to great stories about great saints on Relevant Radio. And the Relevant Radio app. Boy, oh boy, this is, you know, we live in an age in which we, we need missionaries. We, we need people. And I'm, I'm not saying join a religious order. If the Lord calls you to, please do. But we need missionaries. Everybody can be a missionary. Everybody can, can be a St. Willibrord or a St. Winifred, better known as Boniface. Uh, how do you bring people to Christ? And... I haven't shared this in a while, so I'll share it again. I find the best way, and you know, this is from my experience as a Pentecostal uh, Catholic, um, that the best way to bring a person to Christ is not to preach at them, but to pray with them. And, you know, St. Boniface and St. Villabroid did that. They preached, and they, they, they did all that stuff. But they brought the sacraments. Uh, I remember Cardinal George talking about uh, encountering a pagan, a, a former pagan in Alaska, an indigenous woman who had been raised as a pagan. And he asked her, what was the, most, the best thing about baptism? And she said, I didn't have to be afraid of the gods anymore. You see, the gods of the pagans are these capricious, evil spirits. And you know what the gods of the modern world are? These impersonal machines. Seriously, we all have a screen. I just got a nice shiny new one. I love it. But uh, shout out of thanks to um, <laughs> Melissa and Andre. Yes, yes. And Andre. I think of him as Andre. Why do I think it was Andre? Andrew. He's one of our tech tech people. He's they they are both, you know, they're the real people who keep things going. Uh not us not us uh you know uh, I'm frosting on the cake. The cake is kept there by well, I'm digressing by 
people like Andrew. No, it's not German chocolate. I'm afraid it's it's it's. Uh, I'm not sure what cake it is. Just where, where was I? I'm I, the, yeah. We, our gods. You know, young people today are committing suicide at an alarming rate because they're lonely. We've we've been taken over by gods of materialism, and and. Uh, the gods have really learned a few lessons over the course of the past couple thousand years. They've learned not to be frightening. In other words, they beckon you. The, the, these evil spirits that rule the world, they beckon you with wonderful toys. And what happens? You, you succumb to this lure of materialism. And I don't need God. I've got a little screen in my pocket that it will give me all knowledge. Uh, you know, Eve... Biting from the apple, <laughs> no, no pun, or maybe pun intended or reference intended, but Eve biting from the apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, I've got all the knowledge I need right in my pocket. I can look anything up because I got my little screen. I don't have to talk to anyone. I got my little screen and people are lonelier and lonelier. The gods of this world, which are really demons, they've really gotten smart. They make it so appealing. And it would be better if people were afraid of the gods, but people are not afraid of the gods. Because the gods have learned a few new tricks, and they're being very nice to people, and giving them all sorts of toys that will weigh them down, and that they sink into hell. You don't think that people need Christ? You don't think that it's the right thing to do to to evangelize, to be like Saints Villebroard and, and St. Boniface? Are you so wrapped up in yourself that you're not, you're not worried about, about the people who don't know Christ, who live lives of isolation, desperation, trapped in their possessions and in their screens and in their phones and computers, living alone? You know, I, I tell you all the time about people I know who died and lived to tell about it. They all say that um, um, the worst thing about hell is the utter loneliness of it, the utter aloneness, the, the darkness, the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. We have a generation of young people who are miserably alone and they don't even know why they're unhappy. Shouldn't they have the opportunity to find someone who loves them so completely that he died for them? And to find a whole treasury of martyrs and saints who loved Christ so much and loved the world so much as he did. God so loved the world. They loved the world so much that they gave their lives and in many cases their deaths. This wonderful cloud of witnesses that we celebrate today. So, yeah, it's it's just <laughs> I'm blown away by the uh, uh, the fact that 1,300 years ago a man died. And an entire little nation dances around us to play it again, Nick. I love that song. All day long in Echternach, this song is played, and the people do this happy little two-step dance through the streets until they get to the cathedral and go around the tomb, and out they go. Well, it really is kind of a, a reliquary. you got to see it. You can look it up on the web, uh, 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 St. Willie Broad Dance, or we, we've got it on our site now, Nick, right? On our podcast, you, you'll be able to watch it on the on our podcast. But no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't have to. But it's just, it's just, it's a lovely thing. And uh, <laughs> I always joke. I remember doing Corpus Christi processions in in Neustadt, the town of my mother's ancestors. And uh, uh, I always say, you haven't heard Tanto Mergo till you've heard it played on a tuba. <laughs> it's but it's 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 a joyous thing, and and I, again, I think how little joy there is in the world. You know, 
when I got involved with the old Pentecostal movement, um, we would go to these wonderful prayer meetings, and then after we'd go out for pizza and Coke, and we would sit there laughing and laughing, and people would literally ask the waitresses, what are they drinking? I want some. They're just drinking Coke. There was so much joy and so much laughter. And you know, when I'm with people who really love the Lord, there's joy and there's laughter. Uh, you know, I'm, I meet a lot of Christians who are very dreary. <laughs> That's not God's will, I really believe. Uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. And laughter comes along with it. Um, if you're hanging around with a bunch of Christians who don't know how to laugh, I'm not quite sure they're, they're really doing it right. But the joy and the laughter of knowing the Lord. If you ever go to Rome and you stand at the very opening of the Piazza San Pietro, San Pietro, the, 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 the plaza that Bernini built, the, 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 the uh, arcade, it's just all the saints on it. And you look at it and they're stone and they're not moving. But if you look close, it looks like they're all dancing. Look at a picture of it. It looks like they're all dancing. And they are. <laughs> you know, the joy of the saints, I think, is the real remedy for the problems of the world today. And, you know, so many people want to portray Christianity as this dismal, sad thing. And to have the hope of eternal life. And the ability to know God by knowing Christ. Shouldn't we be joyful? Well, enough, enough with that. Um, let's go to a word of the day. Why not? Why not? The in the heart. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> Amen. The, the word of the day uh, for for today it comes from the gospel. You see, you thought I wasn't going to talk about the Bible. Well, not me. I like the Bible. Um, the uh, uh, I, I like yesterday's word of the day particularly. It means a little lunch, just like they say in Minnesota. Ah, this is it. Um, the the oh, this is, uh, this is not the word of the day. It's just a comment in Revelation seventh chapter. There's certain people who say Bible says only 144,000 people will go to heaven. Have they read this? After I, the 144,000 marked from every tribe of the children of Israel, and 144,000 is a symbolic number. I, it, it just means a fullness of the tribes. I, I'll have to look that up. But after this, I had a vision of a great multitude which no one could count. You know, and and he, this is this is Saint John saying that I I I was looking at heaven. So anybody who tells you that only 144,000 people are going to heaven. They've never read the Bible. All right, but the word of the day that I want to harp on is um, uh, um, oh, I think we're going to have a little time for phone calls um, at eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine, and we got we do have lines open. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek. This word blessed really bothers people, especially when. When uh, you read things in the Bible, like Job's wife saying to Job, bless God and die. How do you bless God? Well, we think of a blessing as a kind of sacralization. That, you know, that, 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 and we have that, uh, the, you know, priestly blessing, that I, it makes something, the use of something sacred. I always say consecration makes the thing itself sacred. A blessing makes the use of that thing sacred. Um, uh, so, you know, if you've got a broken rosary, not a big deal. If you've got a broken statue, though, I don't know any Catholic who's willing to throw those things out. We have just a holy drawer somewhere in the dining room. We put all the broken holy stuff. But that's, you don't have to do that because it's it's not consecrated. It's blessed. But here we have in the gospel reading, blessed are the poor in spirit. And this idea of what does blessed mean? The word in Hebrew really means Favored. So God is favoring you when you're poor in spirit. God is favoring you when you mourn. God is favoring you if you're just unimportant in the eyes of the world, if you're meek. Uh, God is favoring you if you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And remember, righteousness is this, this quality of being like God. I want to know God. 
that's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Uh, let me tell a story that goes, uh, uh, another saint's story. St. John, it said, as an old man, was walking with his disciples by the sea. And uh, a soldier came up and said to him, I want to know God. And St. John said, come with me. And he walked him out into the water, and the soldier, the Roman soldier, thought he was going to be baptized. And St. John, who was a tough old guy, held, he said, kneel down. And he held Saint, this, he held this Roman soldier's head underwater until the guy was, he was struggling and struggling. And he started going limp. Then John let him up and he <gasps> gasped for breath. And he said, you crazy old man, you're trying to kill me. He said, no, no. When you want God as much as you wanted, that next breath of air, you'll find him. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you long to know God, well, God is favoring you. God favors the merciful by showing them mercy. God favors the clean of heart. In other words, those who are focused on God, not on all the interesting, shiny things we see in the world, or interesting, shiny people. Blessed, favored are the peacemakers. Have you ever <laughs> tried to break up a fight? <laughs> Probably you're going to get clobbered. Well, God's favoring you. And favored are you when you are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Uh, favored are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. The word in Greek is makarios, uh, um, which can be translated happy, but it means being given everything you want. They called Cyprus the happy island, uh, uh, using the word makarios, because um, everything you needed for the good life was there. So God favors you in these difficult situations by giving you everything that you need. You may not think you got what you need, but God gives you what you need in the situation. You're favored when you, when, 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 uh, you're persecuted. You're favored even when you're mourning because God will give you the grace. You know? All right. Do we have Do we have any phone calls? Do you Christian is ringing. All right. Let's go to the phone. Who have we got? Brittany in Oceanside, California. What can I do for you? Hello, Brittany? Um, you know, I just ah. want to know, um, sure. like if, uh, like the physically healthy faithful Catholics, do they have to go to confession? And would they be in a state of sin if they sometimes choose to participate in a Sunday Mass um, via the radio, computer, or cell phones? You know, and they're doing it with like great love and devotion to God. Well, would that decision cause them to be in a state of mortal sin? Why, why are they watching do it? Do I have to go to confession, though? Because I always confess well, it. Let's, I let's, wonder, discuss, I really let's discuss this. Uh, um, yeah, you need to go to confession. The Bible says you have to. Confess your sins to one another. Um, but the let's go to the original the original premise uh, or the original the basic question: Why are you watching? Why don't you go to mass? You'd rather watch it on television. Well, like for example, like if my husband's out of town, I prefer going to mass with him. So I I choose to do it like on the radio or something like that, just because I'm used to being with him and the the state of the world the way it is sometimes. Sometimes it's too crazy. I prefer to do it that way. Or like maybe sometimes my stomach feels a little queasy or something. So well, if you're ill, if just, you're ill, you know, if you're sick. A little if ill sometimes. If, you know. if you're sick, well, that's that's a valid excuse. But again, the Bible says do not forsake coming together. In other words, are you a parent? Do you have kids? There. Well, I only have one and he's grown up and married. So I'm really not, I, you know, he's. Yeah. It's basically an empty nest now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to leave God with an empty nest? What's that? Well, right you're, now it's an empty nest because he's Yours is an empty somewhere. nest, but you want to leave God with an empty nest? No, I, I mean, don't. It's a wonderful but, thing so, when you have when you have kids to see them all at, at at dinner together. You know, it's just a blessing. That was, you know, I was I was the youngest of 7 and uh and dinner together was, it was a regular clown car. <laughs> uh, you know, my parents, you know, the great joy of their life was to see their kids together, not just to see one kid at a crack. We live in this lonely world where we have one kid at a crack and they move all over the country and nobody stays in the same place. Um, 
no, you need to go to mass on Sunday with your husband. With your husband is wonderful, and even if he's not in town, if you're sick, that's a reasonable excuse. And yes, it, it you need if you if you willfully miss a Sunday mass without good ex- good reason not to go, you need to go to confession. That's yeah, I mean, it's something God's asked you to do. And and you say, nah, I don't want to, because well, you know, I I just don't want to. It's something God's asked you to do. Think of yourself as a parent, because that's what God has chosen to be called. Hope that helps a little, and I will keep you in my prayers. Whom do we have now, dear voice in my head? Maria from Tampa. How are you doing? Did the hurricane hit pretty fine, hard where thanks. you are? How, how did no, you... we were fine. We just had yard debris. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, as I said, I had a friend who uh, was taking care of her sister on on Sanibel Island. They got wiped out. Boy, that was tough. But Florida's beautiful. Oh, otherwise, what can I do for I'm you, Mario? Sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what can I do Hi. for you? So I recently, yes, I recently was encouraged to go to this mass where there was going to be a priest who, at first, was told I was told he had a gift of healing. Mm-hmm. And then we met somebody else who knew of this priest, and they said, oh, yeah, and he has a gift of prophecy. So then mm-hmm. I went to the event, and then the priest introducing him said he had the gift of um, the ability to read souls. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'm still not sure which one or all three or if they all work together. He has, but we had the opportunity to um, sit and pray with him for about a minute, minute and a half. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he kind of start speaking and, like, saying these things. And I'm just wondering, like, how are those all things that work together, or are they separate gifts, or how should I take well, what he in said? A, in a sense, that? all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which I prefer to call them rather than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's lots of gifts. It's a big, inclusive set. Uh, but those particular things that, that the Pentecostal or Charismatic movement talks about, those are manifestations of the of the presence of God, of the Holy Spirit. And in a sense, they're all prophecy. Because what is prophecy? Prophecy is is speaking uh, speaking for God, and the Bible says our prophecy is imperfect. Our knowledge is imperfect in First Corinthians the thirteenth chapter. So the idea that a human being can speak for God, yes, but we'll never get it a hundred percent. Now, those things do work together. What what we used to call that in the Pentecostal movement was word of knowledge. Padre Pio had it in spades. He could tell you if you went to confession to him and you didn't tell him all your sins, he'd come around, take you by the collar, and pull you out of the confessional and say, "Come back when you when you're ready to to confess." He could he could read souls, um, and he also uh, um, was known to pray for the sick. Uh, so yeah, they they do work together. Not always. Um, but but I've known people who really uh, function in those things. Um, you know, I, I, I knew a guy who uh, somebody came up for prayer and, and he just looked at this woman and told her her life. It was amazing. And she was utterly flabbergasted because she had not been straight up with anyone about her life. And it, it, so, yeah, those things. And she'd come up to ask prayer for healing. And, and this guy was praying for her, was was given a word about that. And uh you know, I think we can have an unhealthy interest even in the things of God, you know, uh, uh, that that um, I always say grace is what's given, sin is what's taken. Say, ooh, ooh, you know somebody who has a prophecy? I want I want to talk to her and have her prophesy for me. doesn't work that way. You know, that, that, that when God wants to tell you something, he'll find a way to tell you. And uh, um, the psalm also says, I'm like a, 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 a quiet child at my mother's breast. That that you know I'm I'm trusting God, but yeah, those work together. I don't know. Is this is this helping at all? It is. I mean, I just I guess I was wondering, like when I walked away, because some people I could tell by their reactions, and a few people that I talked to, they they experienced what you just said. It was like he had read a book on their life and just gave them phrases yeah. that were very exact of things they'd experienced and whatever. Um, mine was not so much like that. It was like a lot of phrases and something struck a chord, but it wasn't like anything. You know, some things you said, and I was like, oh, well, what would that be? And I'm like yeah. kind of reading, like, would that mean this, or is that going to happen? Or... <laughs> and well, like, you know, that's probably not the way to go about this. So I've, I've kind of just kept like a pondering. What, what, what Jesus said at the Last whatever. Supper might help you. Jesus at the Last Supper said, I have told you these things that when they happen, you might know. In other words, prophecy is very veiled, but the point of it 
in the Christian sense isn't to foretell the future. It's when we get to the future, we can say, oh, this is what the Lord meant, and we know that he's in it. So what I would suggest is you write down the things you remember and just keep them in your Bible, and you know, and then when something happens, like, oh, this is, this is what they meant. I will never forget, uh, there are a couple... <laughs> delightful old Puerto Rican ladies who had a prophetic gift. And we were at a retreat, our, our young adults group, uh, this many, many years ago. We were on a retreat, and they're going around in a circle prophesying for people. Oh, God loves you. You're going to do wonderful things. Amen. They got to one kid, and they looked at him, and they shook their heads and said, Winters, winters of winters, and moved on. That kid um, was the best of our group. He was. He was. He really was. Uh, his life fell apart not long after that. Uh, and his whole life was a struggle to maintain his faith. And he, he died rather young, but he died in the Lord. Um, you know, that, 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 that was, that was, you know, there was nice things that people said. Those weren't prophecies. When they got to this guy, it was a prophecy. So, uh, um, you know, somebody who's imported and uh, put up front has to say nice things. But every once in a while, <laughs> a real prophecy comes out. So I would write them down and kind of save them. And, and, and when the Lord, when the Lord uh, uh, moves in your life in that way, well, you'll remember it. Does that help a little? Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. These are these are real <laughs> things, but they're they're imperfect. In First Corinthians thirteen, right. and we, I didn't want to go on. No, I, didn't I, wanna... I I I like the way you explained it. I, the last thing I would want to do, and I was kind of stopping myself, was like reading in and trying to make things in my life fit with some of the words and phrases I heard. I don't, I don't want to do that necessarily. Yeah, you don't want, have like, to. Or, yeah. Forget cool. them. Write them down Thank on you. paper, put them in your Bible, and when the Lord wants you to remember them, you'll remember them. But yeah, yeah, and just remember, the First Corinthians 13, we, are, we prophesy in part, we know in part. These aren't perfect, and I think people have to approach non-biblical prophecies with that, that way, that these are just... You know, the, the Lord, the Lord, getting us ready for something. All right, and it may be something wonderful. Right, thank so you. there you go. Do, do we have time for another <laughs> one, God. dear? God bless you. Do we have time for another, dear voice in my head? Tom from Wisconsin. We got a minute. Is this the Tom I know? Yes, Father. Hi. Oh, good. Hi. What can I do for you, Tom? I haven't talked to you in a while. I know it's been a while. Well, I've got a quick one. Um, it's not quick, but you were talking about the screens again and our screens. And, of course, I'm listening on the app and I'm mm -hmm. calling from my phone. Yeah. And yesterday yeah. was the 500 anniversary, 505th anniversary of Martin Luther uh, pinning the theses on the doors. So it was a big Internet meme. Yes. That, uh, it, you know, is this the greatest pin tweet of all time and what will it implications and ramifications be so i know you i don't think you've had any time to give this any thought but i know you're knowledgeable and very quick any thoughts yes some of the stuff with the screens and the technological advances are really good some of them are really bad just like the printing press the bible was the first brick print book printer but pornography wasn't far behind it uh human beings we're so human it's amazing god loves us but he does Stay tuned because we're going to have more saints and Drew is coming up. <laughs>